All right, you guys, welcome to episode 81 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives in the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known, hook up some of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKeady, and I'm joined today by one of my most favorite people in the entire world, my sibling, like my universe sibling, like Molly's gave birth to us mm-hmm. both in some weird universe way. I'm joined by Liz Bentley, and I'm so excited. Hi, Troy. I'm dying. We haven't recorded together in so long. And so long. I miss the, the sounds of your voice. You know what I feel kind of sick about, though? I know we haven't, like, well, I guess you'll see it in the title, but, like, that now Lindsay Lohan is a reality TV star. I know. She's a reality television star. I mean, I know she did, like, the, the own docuseries, but even in that one, she's like, I'm not a Kardashian, guys. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, it's that normal. almost doesn't even count because it was just, like, that weird one-off. But, like, she's, like, full blown. And honestly, it really was, like, a docuseries. Like, they set stuff up, but, like, nothing on that show was fucking scripted. Nothing. Did and you now listen she's to her like, on Howard Stern? No, should I? Should I listen oh, to the audio? Oh, it's amazing. And she talked about um she talked about like the the production of that that docuseries and how like Oprah basically hired a company to come in and do it but like had no part in it. So, Oprah didn't know that they were trying to do like a uh, like a we gotcha thing and they they it, none of it was scripted at all but they would do things to purposely inconvenience her so that they could fill freakouts. I know, no, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Trust me, everything Lindsay Lohan says with a literal, I mean, cut a grain of salt in, in half with a razor. And like, even that, I would quarter it. Like, truly. But like, like she said something about how like, um, her like the boxes in her house, for example, like they were supposed mm-hmm. to be, it actually was like all worked out, but the production wouldn't let them take the boxes off the truck and yeah, I, I remember that. Like, like that stuff was... like that. Just so that they can watch her freak out, which I do believe. I do believe that yeah. they they well, definitely poked at her with like a prod. I think that they poked at her and she like gave them everything she wanted and more. Yeah. And I think they also probably came in with the intention to poke at her and then they realized she was such a fucking nightmare and a mess mm-hmm. that they probably didn't really have to poke very much at her. I guess we should start off right now by saying that we are talking today... First of all, all glory be to Liz Bentley. This was her idea. I don't even think I would have come up with it. But we're talking about Michael and Dina Lohan today, which is like, this is a really big deal. Yeah. This is a huge deal. I mean, I... Parts of my life for 15 years, at least. Beyond. Like, in every aspect. Michael Lohan was literally a a part of my favorite fight on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like... Fuck Lindsay and Dina. Lindsay, I mean, Lohan, like, da- Lindsay Lohan's daddy. Lindsay Lohan daddy. She got in the car with Lindsay Lohan daddy. I mean, like, are you kidding? I'm like, I'm so excited about this. And I was telling you before we started, um, it was really fun to, you know, a lot of this stuff I've I've talked about before, but I've never spoken about it from the perspective of Dina or Michael. And mm-hmm. I gained like an entirely new perspective and also learned so much more information and like what actually happened. Because when you get quotes from somebody besides Lindsay, this weird thing happens where the truth comes out. Well, versions of the event come out, I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, let's not, like, act like Michael Lohan is the, the, the best source. Or Dina. Or Dina. But uh, it's fun to hear three these three different perspectives of events that I felt like I knew so well. Yeah. I would say when I was going back and doing my research, I was almost shocked by how early 
the family drama started in the press. Mm-hmm. And I think I had almost forgot that like as early as 2003, like Radar is writing, or it's not Radar at the time, but whatever, is writing like scathing stuff about Michael Lohan. Yeah. In 2004, he's holding press conferences about Lindsay and Dina. Like When she's at like her peak, like post Freaky Friday, like, mm-hmm. Michael is wilding out in the press. Like, not just, like, post-2007 Lindsay Lohan. Like, peak, peak, peak Lindsay Lohan. Like, Michael yeah. and Dina are out there just, like, knocking and bucking. <laughs> it's crazy. And, like, you can definitely tell in the early stages of Lindsay's career that Michael had sort of burned these bridges, these, like, Hollywood bridges before she was even like a thing like you could tell that like she came into the industry with people knowing who he was you know he like really wanted to be famous Dina very much so wanted to be famous so people like knew who they were and they already had like this reputation of being this like just wild wonderful whites of uh Long Island family yeah um by the way, did we know that when Lindsay Lohan first moved to LA, she lived with Nancy, esteemed director, director Nancy Myers? I did not know that. I like read that and was like, excuse me? I had no idea. And then Nancy was like, girl, you got to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a newly rich, young Lindsay Lohan free in your home? No. Like <laughs> coming home at all hours of the night and Nancy's like, do you see this beautiful kitchen? Like you can't you seriously. Can't, you can't clomp through here at three a.m. Seriously, Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep are screaming right now. You just woke them up from other parts of the country. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also warned Liz that um, my well, but for both of us, it's the same thing. Our notes are a little. Um, I mean, I took great notes. I got some really fun things oh. to talk about, but like they're just a little different than they normally are. This is okay. So, just so you guys know, a while ago, I like pitched. I like to do. I like to curate things for Tori's podcast. <laughs> like send him unsolicited texts. And a while ago, I, I it must have been during one of the Lindsay episode, the Lindsay and Sam episode, maybe. Although I feel like it was warmer out, so I was like walking at work, and I said, like, you should do, like, not a spinoff, but like an arc on this podcast called Feuds where you just do good like celebrity fights. Yeah. And I kind of got my wish with this episode because this is really Michael and Dina's divorce, right? Like, cause there's not yeah. that much info about their marriage. Cause who gives a fuck? I know. I mean, the only, the, I took a lot of notes on the, the big things, the big things. I took a lot of notes on Michael Lohan as like a crook and a criminal yes. and a Svengali in the eighties and nineties. Yes. Um, but yeah, but I mean, as a couple, like, because nobody cares. Because by the time they got famous, they were already divorcing. Right. By, like, all of their drama is regarding the divorce. Like, there's not pages and pages of notes worth of stuff of, like, this is how we met. This is what our wedding was like. Like, that's, it's just not that type of couple because they didn't get famous until they were holding press conferences about each other. Right. They also had a very like whirlwind romance. Like they're one of those couples that got married yeah. in like a month. Like, but um, yeah, I'll go ahead and introduce the episode so we can finally like get into it. But I'm very okay. excited. Um, so technically, Michael and Dina started dating in '84. Uh, they got married the same year and they divorced in uh, December of '05. They've separated and almost divorced and divorced and divorced again a million times, but it became official in '07. Um, 
they actually, the first time they tried to divorce was in 89 and Dina withdrew it. Um, obviously, I mean, it, this is housekeeping. I always say, I assume that there are people that they're listening to this podcast that know nothing. That's how I, re- I, I have to live that way. So if you <laughs> were raised under a rock or in a, in a bridge or something, then maybe you don't know that Lindsay Lohan or um, Dina and, uh, and Michael have been um, dark forces in Lindsay Lohan's life. And they are to blame for a lot of Lindsay's um, mental health issues and issues with addiction, um, relationship problems. Like your girl has been tormented. Um, And yeah, I mean, they were together at, uh, they were very famously um, in an abusive relationship for years. Michael is very abusive. Lindsay Lohan has songs about it. She's talked about it incessantly. I've talked about it incessantly in this podcast, but we're going to really, really get into it. And um I just want yeah. to say, I believe it was during their first, like, what year was that? Eight, 1989? Yeah. They were going to divorce. Lindsay once tweeted, let's not forget that my father kidnapped me from a courtroom when I was four years old and is crazy. So, like, I'm assuming it was during that time. <laughs> like, yeah. this has been insanity from the fucking start and that michael has now like ad- finally admitted that he physically abused dina yeah for the first time in like 20 years he finally <laughs> said the thing that we all knew that he hit her i mean it's insane and like yeah the crazy thing too is that you know Lindsay Lindsay has a favorite it's very obvious that Lindsay has sort of taken dina as like her primary parent and that michael um sort of cascades in and, out of, in and out of her life and she's never really taken michael's side really as a parent i mean i can name like one or two times where she's been like on her dad's side in the press and i wrote a whole thing about it in my notes but like in Lindsay's mind dina is her rock you know yes. i can really speak to this i grew up in a very dysfunctional home where i like saw my mom and i as one person and my dad is like our enemy right and uh, like they're, you know, a lot of their fights would be like, my dad was yelling at me. So my mom would step in and they would fight or like I would step in in their fights. Um, once right. a therapist described me, my mom, my dad as a triad of codependency. And I think that's very much true in Lindsay's house because, uh, we didn't say it yet, but Lindsay has three siblings, but there's like a decent age gap between so Lindsay and Michael Jr. are very close in age, but I think because Michael Jr. is a boy, he wasn't as like entrenched in Dina's like emotional turmoil. I think just by the nature of the fact that he was a boy and you know, they're a classic like Long Island Long Island, like Irish Catholic family, like they, you know, traditional gender roles. I think Michael Jr. just like wasn't put in that role. And then Aliana and Cody are much younger. So I think my guess would be that it was very much like from the beginning, like Lindsay and Dina versus Michael, like from a very, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And Lindsay has that very, um, there are a lot of child stars that have like little sort of, um, characteristics of like child star cliches in their past. Like, but Lindsay has all of them in the sense that she was really like every single one she fits into. And especially like, you know, she was the, the, the savior of her family. And then at a certain point it was like, Lindsay was the adult in her family that her parents that was having to kind of like monitor these fights between her parents. Um, and they're both coming to her for money and 
you know, trying to get her to hate the other and, and blaming the other for things. Like she really was forced into this like matriarch role in her family um, when she, you know, very clearly didn't have the coping skills to do any of that, which is, you know, that's a recipe for disaster, obviously. Yeah. I just think that like Lynn, it's always been the three, like, I think Lindsay and Dina have always kind of viewed themselves as one, yeah. which then when Lindsay is on Michael's side, is on Michael's side, it's when Lindsay and Dina fight. And they right. fight, and Michael has literally released phone calls mm-hmm. where Lindsay's describing the fights that she has with her mom. And you guys also have to remember that, like, by all accounts, Dina's like just as much of a drug addict as Lindsay is. Right? And they use together, and they have. If any of you know my listeners out there are drug addicts or in recovery, and like, you know, the person that you use with, like, you fight with, and. Yeah. Lindsay and Dina will get into these like explosive arguments. And I think Michael, I think Lindsay has this weird dynamic with Michael where she hates him, but then also goes to him when she's like always at her lowest. Mm-hmm, I agree. The stress times, which is like why she would call Like, I believe when he says like Lindsay called, calls me at 3am crying about Sam. Like, I believe that. Like, I, oh, think, me too. I think that even though Lindsay like hates Michael, she also views him as like this weird fixer. And I think that's probably how he presents himself. And I bet that comes from like, can't you see a young Lindsay and a young Dina? Like someone is rude to them at the store and Dina's like, my husband will speak to you. And Michael oh, comes in. Sure. Up. Like they're just like a very like Sopranos like family. <laughs> I yes. Think. Yeah. And I think that Lindsay views Michael as somebody that can come in will come in and fix her problems, even though when she's rational, she probably understands that he won't. But like when she's upset, she probably goes into this situation where she's like, my dad is going to take care of this. Like my dad will fix this. And when Dean is going crazy, she's like, I'm calling dad and dad's going to yell at you. You know, like they fall into this weird dynamic where I bet even though Dina was like in a very abusive relationship with Michael. Okay. I'm about to get crazy here. Remember on Mob Wives when Renee would always be like, my ex-husband will come and speak to you. And then she would call Junior and Junior would come and like while out while he was on probation and like <laughs> get into a fight in the parking lot. Like that's my <laughs> If by Junior you mean Junior? Yeah. Then sure. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> like I bet that's like the exact dynamic that Michael and Dina had. Like I can see Yeah, he's the muscle. Perfectly. Yeah. And I think Lindsay definitely falls into that when her and Dina are fighting. And I think that's really probably the only time that she like goes to Michael is in those moments where she's like, Okay, mom. And well, and also Dina hates Michael so much where it's like, Oh, you want to be mean to me, mom? Guess who I'm gonna fucking call right now? Yeah, I'm going to call and be spiteful and kind of like, you know, because above all things, it's like, even though she does hate her dad, she does know that the things that bother her about her mom, her dad also can relate to. And it's the things that yeah. it's the reason they don't get along. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, and it's that's such a fucked up dynamic. And it's so it's so sad. And I've been a part of that. Like, you know what I mean? When you have a when you grow up in a situation where you have one parent that you consider to be like your real parent and oh, then your yeah. other parent is your one in quotes. Oh, it's, yeah. things get fucked up and messy um but so i i did find i found one article on the, all of the internet about their wedding and i just found this really interesting it just kind of paints a really good picture of who they are as like as you said like they michael reminds me of somebody who kind of like would work for tony soprano mm-hmm. um but like a low 
low level. Like, can't be trusted, is too much. Yeah, like would shoot at his feet and make him dance every once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, he's never <laughs> going to get made. You know, he's never going to yeah. be a made guy. But, like, we let, like, he's, you know what he is? He's, like, an associate. Yeah, yeah like he's never gonna work for tony because he can't be trusted like that but he's somebody that it's like we need this like really crazy thing done that like i'm not gonna i'm not willing to send in any of my guys into like call michael that idiot will do it yeah like michael go submit shoes this guy yeah um <laughs> but so when michael and dina first met um at the surf club in new york city she was 19 and this is amazing so dina is always full tall thin. gorgeous but at the same time she's always claimed to be like a, a, a broadway dancer and a rocket and an actress <laughs> and a singer and a spokesperson um yeah. And she, like, later it was, like, all debunked and, like, um, a spokesperson for the, the Rockettes said that they had no record of her on file. Well, literally, page six did an expose. Like, they were, like, that's basically, like, lying and saying that you were, like, that you, like, played in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they'd be, like, well, where's the record? Like, there's a record of every person who's it's been... It's, like, my, what was her name? Michaela Salahi? Yes. Were you a Redskins cheerleader? Well, I mean, like... I was. Don't be mean and cruel. Um... <laughs> But it was reported in 2007 that they like they looked at over 844 links on the internet and they couldn't find anything um, with like any acting credit. Like she's not in SAG, like nothing. No. She's literally is like a she's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Michael, obviously, he was a stockbroker and was already sort of dipping his toe into a lot of like illegal get rich quick schemes. Uh, he's a self described businessman. Uh, and you know, I've said it once before and I will say, I've actually, I've said it a million times and I'll say it a million times more. Michael has whacked people. He has seen people get whacked and he will whack in the future. Like that's all there is to it. I, my thing is like, I think Michael hasn't killed some, but he's more of that person that will like hire a hitman, but it's actually an undercover cop. And like, they'll <laughs> episode with the woman who like thought that she was like setting up her husband to be killed. And they like filmed the whole fucking thing for Dateline. Um, and like, it was, they even faked like the entire murder and like her reaction. It's iconic. Look it up. It's a Florida woman, of course. But I feel like that's more Michael, where he, like, thinks that he'll kill someone, but, like, isn't, like, <laughs> ever even able to, like, follow through on it. Because he's just, like, such a bozo. He's literally, like, if he was one of the guys at the Bada Bing, he would be, like, the bozo guy that they don't yeah. tell secrets to and that drops stuff and, you know, f- trips and stumbles and, and shoots his gun on accident. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. Um, but... So they got married in 85. They got married six months after they got engaged. And um, they described their relationship as whirlwind. Um, but the thing is, is like Michael... How much already, coke they were doing. Oh my God. Well, that's the thing is like Michael already had like issues with addiction before. And he said um, on this um, addictioncampus.com website where Michael... Oh yeah, was, because Michael like works in treatment now in Florida. Like he like works in treatment centers and like as a recovery advocate, which is like a whole story for another day in the treatment industry. But like he tells his story. It's fucking insane. There are videos of him on YouTube Mm -hmm. doing, um, I don't even know what you would call them because they're a little bit like exorcisms. It's a little Baptist. Um, Just kind of um, praying the, the addict out, if you will, getting that Holy ghost involved. Like he's also like a conservative Christian. Um, Now, 
But uh, <laughs> he said on this website, um, I went from living a very humble, quiet life to a fast paced to a fast-paced life on Wall Street. And he said, I hate to say it was controlled, but it was to a degree. And um, so, like, on the weekends, like, he and his friends, he was the kind of guy that would go out with his friends on the weekends. They would do a bunch of coke. Um, he would be high from, you know, yeah. Friday to Sunday night. But then Monday, he was, like, clear-minded and, like, would get his shit done. Like, he was a functioning mm-hmm. drug addict at this point. He was a binger, as we would call it. Yeah, he was a really intense binger, and, like, all of his friends were part of the same lifestyle. Like, they were, like... It was the 80s. He wasn't doing coke. Come on. Exactly. Like, they were all wearing shoulder pads and doing coke in bathrooms and fucking hookers. Like, you know, we all were. (laughs) My Um, stepmom... So, my stepmom's from Miami. My parents are also in Miami in the late 70s and the early 80s. And my stepmom has the story of going to a wedding... Uh, at this like crazy well-known hotel and a limo like picked up all the guests and in the limo were match boxes filled with coke and they were like on every table (laughs) oh my god like they did so like in miami in the late 70s like my parents did so much coke (laughs) and i would imagine it was similar in new york To live in the late 70s, early 80s during, like, the period of excess and, like, you know, where there's, like... Pre-AIDS in Miami, New York. Are you kidding me? Just fucking everybody you want, doing drugs (laughs) off toilet seats, like, (laughs) spinning around in Studio 54, you know, just really killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody thought Coke was addictive. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weight loss drug. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine, like, how Coke-fueled Dina and Michael's six-month engagement was. So, Lindsay was born a year after their wedding. And this is what Michael claims initially, because he's gotten sober like eight times, initially slowed him down. And this was a really big deal for me. I took a lot of notes on this. But so in 1986, when Lindsay was still a baby, Michael took Dina. This was their first domestic abuse situation on record. Um, He took Dina out to dinner at Cold Springs Harbor. And um, apparently... Um, as the night went on, you know, Michael kept going, getting up and going to the bathroom. He was like becoming more and more belligerent. And he drove, as he was like driving home, he randomly looked over at Dina and was like, get the fuck out of the car. I don't want to deal with you anymore. She wouldn't get out. So he punched her in the face. And when they got home, she called her parents uh, who took her to the hospital. And there are medical records that show that mm. she did check in on December 4th of 86 and that she was treated for blunt trauma to the face. Um, but Michael said, he said, I came in at two o'clock in the morning after being out with some friends. I walked in and she hit me with an ice tray. When in the back, with the back of the hand, I slapped her in the face. Yes, that did happen in 1986. Were there charges? No, not at all. I had a big black, big black and blue mark on my neck from her too. Classic. Classic Michael and Dina. Um, She didn't press charges. Uh, Michael immediately went to jail for security fraud right after. And there was this pattern of Dina not having to press charges on him because he was already being convicted of stuff. She was like, we were going to jail next week anyway. So, Um, And during the time, Dina was living with her parents. Uh, Michael and Dina were estranged. Uh, and Michael was out partying every night. He was like frequenting nightclubs and he was hooking up with models and strippers and prostitutes. Um, and he had really, really like upped his addiction to cocaine. And according to Dina, she was against divorcing him because at that time her parents had a huge, huge, huge role in her life. She was a, 
a Catholic girl, like, you know, from Long Island, like living yeah. in her parents' house. And uh, they advised against it, even though he was beating her up. Um, and, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that Dina has led us to believe, you know, that during this time she was like this demure, like slippers wearing Bible thumping girl, just like rubbing her cross and rocking back and forth at night. And it's like, you look at their relationship and it's very similar to like, um, like a Henry and Karen Hill from Goodfellas. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like on occasion, I feel like Michael would call her and say like, I need you to unscrew the vent next to the toilet and dump out whatever's in there. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and much like Karen, I think Dina has always gotten a thrill out of it. Yes, you know, like she's yeah. always gotten a thrill out of Michael. I mean, she still does press with Michael and still does engagements with him. And I mean, I oh, you're part so of that is like obviously because she needs money because they're all broke as shit. But like, I mean, the reality is she could like sell that mega mansion. She, or, you know, like the McMansion she lives in, she could get a cheaper car and say, fuck you, Michael. I don't want anything to do with you. Like, I don't want to be famous. Like Dina thrives in this chaos. Like not saying that she like deserved any of the abuse or anything like that. But like Dina, I think has proven that she's like always thrived in this lifestyle that Michael lived. You're so right. I've never really thought about it thought about it that way but dina is i mean i think it makes her dick hard being a part you know especially during this time when she's like she was a sort of sheltered catholic girl um who was like dating this like hot to trot wall street guy like you know i'm sure she did love it i'm sure she did love like a coke a coke fueled like sex romp with michael or you know what i mean like she'd beat the shit out of him and he'd beat her up and they had a weird like dark dynamic together yeah for sure and like yeah, just, yes, absolutely. Dina, I think, has proven herself in the subsequent years to be a key player in her own dysfunction. And then in February of 1990, this was Michael's first really big arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, Well, this was his second arrest, but this was a big one where he was arrested um, and he did jail time for uh, actually insider trading. I, insider trading. And I forgot to mention this too. On February 14th of 1990, right before Michael went to jail that second time, um, he raped her. He Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was released from prison, and he went on a coke binge, and he showed up at her parents' house. Her parents weren't there. Um, she He wanted to have sex, and she turned him down. And while Lindsay and uh, – while the kids were sleeping in the house, yeah, he covered her mouth and raped her in the bedroom of the first floor of their house. And medical records, again, were shown that Dina did go to the ER that night, that there was a rape kit involved. Um, she was, it's, like, insane. Yeah. She was examined. Uh, they, and it was also documented that the doctors did call the police, um, and they called the Coalition for Abused Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dina, again, felt no need to press charges because he was already going to prison. He was, like, about to leave. Yeah, and also it's the father of her children. It's her husband. It's complicated. Of course, according to Michael, it was consensual and that Dina's rewritten history. He claimed that Dina invited well, that's, him. Over. Michael is the ultimate gaslighter. Like, the oh, he's the ultimate gaslighter. And that is, I think, another reason that he has been able to keep his hooks in Lindsay beyond like what I said earlier about Lindsay, like feeding into the dynamic. I think that like, I think Michael can get Lindsay so twisted on like what her, and I mean, 
Lindsay's sick, you know, like Lindsay, a sick person who has a very serious alcohol and drug addiction. Plus God only knows what other co-occurring mental illnesses. And Michael like keeps her confused. Like Michael, I think is able, you know, she, I bet she cuts him off for like six months and then she like feels guilty and she starts to miss him. And -hmm. then within like a week he has her like so fucking twisted in the head that she like doesn't even know up from down and then like, we'll get out of it. You know, we'll play into it for six months and she gets away from him for six months. And like Michael gaslights, like none other he spins, which is where Lindsay gets, well, Dina does it too, to an extent. But like, if you, the crazy thing is like when you read Dina and especially Michael's interviews, that's exactly how Lindsay talks. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I wrote like a whole thing on my notes about that. Especially like when Dina was on Dr. Phil, which we'll get to later. Like the way that she deflects is exactly the way Lindsay does. It's actually like amazing to watch. Like their body, like their, um, like physically they, their mannerisms are the same. Um, but yeah, like even with that, he like his response was like, "Well, how could I have raped her if she was on top?" It's like yeah. most like sleazy, disgusting shit. Yeah, uh, and he gaslights, and that's what he does. And I think it's very sad. That's what it like makes me sad that Dina like is still willing to like play his game and like be part of the bullshit. Cause it's like Dina, girl, what are you doing? I know, like let him fucking flounder and be desperate and and drown, like um. Oh, is it around this time that uh, Michael... Oh, no, I guess that wasn't until the 2000s that Michael fathers a child. (laughs) (laughs) How old is that kid? Oh, my God. I don't know how old she is now. She's got to be, like, pretty old, right? Yeah, because they, they first... Michael found out about her in 2005, so she was born... You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, You'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.